Have a seat. It's a sweet thing to think about that one day we'll be in the Lord's presence with all the people throughout the ages who've trusted in Christ. Uh, well, if you have your copy of God's Word, we'll be in 1 uh, Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 10 and 11 today. 1 Corinthians 10 and 11 as we continue to think through what, what distinctly makes us uh, Baptist. Um, before I get into the Word, I just want to thank you for those of you who uh, knew and prayed for me going to Chicago to take care of my dad. Um, my dad was uh, taking uh, down just the, I think he might have just been getting the mail on um, Wednesday, slipped um, and, and fell, and uh, actually it was Thursday, and uh, broke his hip. So uh, he went in the hospital and they said, hey, we need to have surgery today. So he had a full hip replacement. So we got, they got there on Friday morning and saw him in the hospital in pretty good spirits. And then... You know, as the pain kind of settled in, he's, he's still struggling. So my job was basically to, to make sure that there was a place for him downstairs. So I just did a lot of moving and organizing uh, for a couple days and got him downstairs. And he's, he seems to be doing well right now, which is which is good. And my, big, my biggest concern was, can he just be at home by himself with my mom helping him and live? <laughs> and uh, they made it through one day, so I'm grateful uh, for that. So thank you for your prayers. and. Um, I'm just really, uh, I'm very appreciative of a uh, family who cares, family here that cares for each other so well. Well, we're going to be uh, in uh, the Word of the Lord uh, today. Um, I'm actually going to be reading verses 14 through 17 of chapter 10, um, and then we'll dive into thinking more about the ordinances that God has ordained. God's word says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. Heavenly Father, we pray as we dive into your word tonight that we would um, understand more of how we should structure our church, specifically around the ordinances, and why these two ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper are specifically important for us uh, as Baptists, as Protestant believers uh, in the New Covenant. So God, I pray that you would be with your church tonight, be with my words, and I pray that you would mark them um, by your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, we keep on thinking about why is it important to even think about the doctrines of, of the church. And really what we've been thinking about in, in the last three sermons on Sunday evening is Baptist ecclesiology, the study of the church of the Baptist faith, and what, it, what makes a Baptist church distinct from other denominations. And uh, we looked the first week as being mark of uh, the church is full of believers, regenerate church membership. And that, in some ways, is going to kind of tie into our first ordinance of baptism uh, today. Last week, we looked at the idea of, of, of congregationalism. Why should we be marked out? As a, as a congregation, what is our church polity? Well, the highest authority in the Baptist ecclesiology, the Baptist church, is the church, uh, because the church is full of believers. So we tell it to the church, and the people who are born again, filled with the Spirit of God, are called to live and act as um, protectors of the gospel in the doctrine we believe and those who uh, profess it. And, and the ordinance is, is not unique to the Baptist church. All um, Protestant churches have 
uh, practicing ordinances. Uh, we'll talk about those in a second. Uh, the Catholic Church uh, has nine ordinances that they, that they follow. Uh, we as uh, Baptists only follow two, uh, Presbyterians, uh, Methodists, um, Episcopal uh, churches all have two ordinances. The way Baptists practice them specifically, I think, is unique to, to our denomination. So number one, what are the ordinances? What is an ordinance? Uh, ordinance comes from the word ordain, or what Jesus commanded for us to do in the Gospels. So there's two ordinances that we see Jesus command the church to do in the Gospels. We see a baptism, and when Jesus, the Great Commission, when he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, so therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see John the Baptist going out baptizing people in the wilderness. You see Jesus himself being baptized, and then he, he sends his church to go and baptize. He has established his church to go and baptize. And then at the end of his ministry, before uh, he, he took the cross, he gathered with his disciples over the Passover meal, and he repurposed the, the Lord's Supper uh, to be a covenant meal of the new covenant people of, uh, of Christ. The eschatological people who come together to break bread and to, to drink the fruit of the vine uh, as, a, as, a, as a sign of their faith in the Messiah, that Jesus Christ being that Messiah. So those are the only two ordinances that we... Uh, believe now. Why these two? Number point number two. Why these two ordinances and not, uh, not others that maybe the Catholic Church has adopted? Last rites, uh, confession, uh, things that are maybe good. Um, well, I think these specifically, in terms of how we set ourselves up as a congregation, are particularly important. Uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper, and the Lord's Supper are oath signs. They are signs that, that of, of an oath covenant that we've made with God and that God has made with us. So baptism is the initial entrance sign into the kingdom of heaven. So when someone is baptized, they are going on record, they are publicly declaring that I'm with the Lord, that I identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, so when someone is baptized, it's baptized by immersion upon profession of faith. We'll look at that specifically here in a second. But baptism historically was always had as a mark for believing. So if you look at the New Testament, sometimes uh, I was talking to someone about three years ago, and he was saying well, the baptism, water baptism, was, was not necessary. Water baptism is not necessary because we're baptized by the Spirit. And, and I think that what he was trying to do, he was trying to divide two things that the, that the Bible doesn't divide. Uh, the Bible thinks that if you have been baptized by water, that you have also been baptized by the Spirit. Right? Now, baptism doesn't save you. We're, uh, there are certain denominations of the Church of Christ believe in baptismal regeneration, that you have to be baptized in order to be, to be saved. Well, we don't believe that. We believe that we are baptized because we are saved, because we have repented of our sins and trusted in Christ. We have made that commitment, and now we go to a church, and we, the church looks for a credible profession of faith, both in what they believe and how they live, and the church affirms that, and then they go through the waters of baptism. You know, in our... Um, I said it this morning, the individual autonomy, the spirit of the age, the idol of the West, says that I'm the one who determines whether I'm a Christian or not. And we all know that the Bible is very clear that we can easily be self-deceived. So God has given that marking, the, 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 the binding and loosing to the church, where the church is kind of like a, an assurance of salvation cooperative, where we come together and affirm people's uh, salvation through baptism. So, for example, with John David the other day, you know, Johnny probably uh, came to Christ about a year and a half ago. 
he made that decision, and it was very clear that he wanted to follow the Lord. We've seen fruit in his life since then, and how much he desires to, to learn and study the Word. And, you know, he'll be at the kitchen um, sink drying dishes, and he'll just tell our little Alexa to, to, to read the Gospels. And he'll listen to the Gospels while he, while he, while he dries dishes. That's something we didn't train him to do. He just does. It's kind of God doing a, a work in his heart. Well, what we're doing, yes, as, of course, he's my son, and I'm also the pastor. So, you know, for him, I walked with him for a year and a half to make sure it was a credible profession. Is he truly a Christian? So when he came here, the church affirmed, yes, we believe he's a Christian. We've heard his testimonies, and we are welcoming him to membership as a baptized believer. That is the initial sign of him going on record. Now, was he a Christian three weeks ago? Yes. Right? And he would say, Daddy, I'm a Christian. Yes, we, we believe that you are. But the church wants to collectively say, we want to bind you into the kingdom of heaven. We want to say that, yes, you are, you are with, uh, with Christ. I think that just protects us from being deceived. So if, if baptism is the initial oath sign covenant, hey, this is the beginning of my journey with the people of God, well, the Lord's Supper is the, con the continual oath sign covenant, that I'm still with the Lord Jesus. So both are necessary. And in, in, Israel, in the days of Israel, they were a physical nation, right? They, they, were, they were marked by physical boundaries. If you're in these geographical area, you are part of the kingdom of, of Israel, the nation of Israel. Well, the church has never had a specified nation. As much as we may want to believe that America is a Christian nation or once was a Christian nation, we have never been marked by geography. We've been marked by our belief. And how is our belief shown? It's shown by baptism and the Lord's Supper, right? Now, doing them rightly. So in the uh, Protestant Reformation, when we broke from the Catholic Church, uh, John Calvin would say, um, along with Luther, is that you will find a church where the gospel is rightly preached, where the, the sacraments or the ordinances are rightly practices, practiced, and church discipline is rightly practiced. Okay? So those are the three markings of the, of the Protestant Reformation. Now, those three marks were important in their day and time because they were breaking from the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church did not preach the true gospel, right? They believed in, in faith. Uh, through faith and works, or rather than, than faith showing itself in works for salvation. Uh, they did not practice the, 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 Lord, the, the ordinances rightly, right? Because they had a lot of them, right? So in that, in that day, they were saying, okay, listen, if we do baptism right and we do the Lord's Supper right, that marks the true church. Now, as much as I love Luther and Calvin, I think they got it wrong in, in the area of one of the ordinances in, in baptism, um, which, I, which I'll go into now. So, what are the ordinances? Why these two? And then, then three, baptism. Baptism, and then we're going to look at the Lord's Supper. So what is baptism? Baptism uh, is when someone, it's a church's act of affirming that someone has uh, believed in the death, burial, resurrection of Christ upon profession of faith. By immersion, right, being raised as a sign of their faith in Christ. So as I said before, baptism does not save anyone. But what baptism is, is an, it's an outward sign of an inward change. That, 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 that we have changed internally. We have put our faith in Christ. And we love the, we identify with Christ's death upon the cross for us and his resurrection for us. So the word uh, baptism or baptize in, in the Greek is, is baptizo, which means immerse. It's to go under. And if you look through the book of Acts, beginning in Peter's great sermon, after Peter's great sermon, that says the men were cut to heart. and says, what must we do to be saved? And it says, repent and be baptized for the uh, forgiveness of sins. 
Now, the Church of Christ will take that and say, that means that people are saved by baptism. Because it says it right there. Repent and be baptized for purpose, the forgiveness of sins. So you have to have baptism for, if you want, the forgiveness of sins. But as we read through the rest of the, the New Testament, that's not exactly what it means there in Acts 2, uh, 37 and 38. Peter himself says in his epistle that it is an appeal to God for a clean conscience. There is a, a faith aspect. So we see throughout the book of Acts that when someone is baptized, or before someone is baptized, it comes with belief. They believed and were baptized. They had faith and they were baptized. So everywhere in the New Testament, what you see is that someone put their faith in Christ, they believed, and then they were immersed, buried with the water, and raised out of the water. That's a physical sign that you are declaring that, that the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in your baptism. Okay, uh, so so here as a as Baptist, we don't. Um, let me say this carefully. We would say that the proper mode is by immersion, right? Uh, there may be people uh, who have been sprinkled or uh, poured upon their profession of faith. I would count that as a credible baptism, even if it wasn't in the mode of immersion, okay? Me personally, not, not all Baptists, but me personally. But if someone was um, sprinkled or poured before they had faith, or immersed before they had faith, I would say that is not a legitimate baptism. So if I'm talking to a Presbyterian, a Methodist, uh, Episcopalian church, um, Church of Christ, everyone who's baptizes infants, um, and someone say, I was, I was baptized as an infant, and I'm a believer in Jesus, can I join the church? I would say, yes, you can join the church if you, if you were baptized. Well, no, no, I, I was baptized as a baby, as an infant. Well, no, you weren't. That's not baptism, because baptism and faith always go together. So you may have had a baptismal ceremony, but what you experienced was not baptism. Because you as an infant could not have had faith because your mind was not capable to have that yet. Therefore, that is not a legitimate baptism. So baptism is upon profession of faith. Now, if someone came to me and said, hey, I was, I was 13 years old. I was going to a, the Church of the Nazarene. I heard the gospel. I believed. I told my pastor. And they, they poured water on me uh, three times uh, as, as a sign of the, of the Trinity um, in service. Okay. That is a legitimate baptism. So I think, I think the, the, the faith is more important than the mode. But I think that the mode in the Bible is dunking, <laughs> immersion, under the water and being raised up. Okay? Um, so I think that if we're going to be honest with ourselves, the Baptist church has always held to that belief in believers' baptism, but we have practiced it very poorly because we have not seen... Uh, if someone has a credible profession of faith before they go into the waters. Usually what happens is if someone has a feeling, an emotional excitement of the Lord, they come forward and say, yes, I want to be, be baptized, and usually they're in the water the next week. And usually they're not, they're not, they don't meet with a pastor, they don't meet with an elder, they don't diagnose, you know, well, why do you want to get baptized? Because my friend went forward and I want to be with him in the waters. Hmm. That's not a legitimate reason. Uh, hey, why do, you, why do you want to baptize? Well, because I really liked your sermon. Hmm. That's not a reason to get baptized, right? You get baptized because you hate your sin, 
And you know that Jesus is the only Savior. That he died for you. And he rose from the dead for you. Do you believe in this God who sent his son to die and be raised for you? That's conversion. Something has to happen in your heart. So usually, if, um, especially if a child, parents, if your children are at that age where they're thinking about, hey, I believe in Christ, uh, well, praise to be the Lord. Rejoice with them. And then, and then put them on a process on baptism. Where baptism may be two or three years later, but there's a process that things that we want you to be working on and learning before you get to that point. So with both John David and Elizabeth, before they were baptized, they were converted before. And I waited a year, year and a half, and just assessed their faith. And I'm still worried. Are they too young? You know? But do they love God? Do they love his word? Do they hate their own sin? Is God doing the work of sanctification in their heart? Or do they just want to obey me because they love their dad? A good kid can obey their parents because they love their dad. Right? That doesn't mean they're converted. Converted is that a, a work of the Holy Spirit of God in, in, in their hearts. So, baptism has always been the marker of the Baptist church. So when someone walks into our, 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 our fellowship, we say, well, they want to join the church. We say, are, are you a believer? Well, how do we know that you're a believer? You've been baptized. That's it. Okay? So the first test, tell me your testimony, then tell me your baptismal story. And if they are, are is that a credible uh, baptism, then they're afraid to join the church because they have been marked out by those who believe in Christ. Now, when the, when the New Testament was, was written, travel was rare, right? The apostle, what the Apostle Paul did was very rare. People did not travel very far from home. Most people never left 30 miles from their house. So if you, in that day, were baptized, Everybody knew you were baptized in the whole entire town. Well, now you might get baptized in Pennsylvania and you move down to Florida. Right? Like, there's a lot of we move around so, so, so different. So I think it's still marking out, is it a credible uh, baptism? The second thing I want to look at is the Lord's Supper, which I think is probably, probably the more dividing, divisive thing in, in the Baptist church, in my experience. So let me define the Lord's Supper, very similar to baptism. I would say the Lord's Supper is the church's act of communing with Christ and each other by commemorating Christ's death by partaking of the bread and the fruit of the vine, and a believer's act of receiving Christ's benefits and renewing his commitment to Christ and his people, thereby making the church one body, marking it off from the world. That's a mouthful. Let me kind of walk through that uh, in, in a second. Two books I want to recommend to you, both written by the same author, uh, Bobby Jameson. This one's called Going Public, Why Baptism is, a requ is Required for Church Membership. Really focusing on baptism and the issue of open communion or closed communion, right? What, what is that? How does that look in the life of the church? So I want to really commend this resource to you. This is a much smaller resource, and you're like, give me this one, right? Is uh, Understanding the Lord's Supper. Uh, I read the, I just kind of reviewed this this afternoon, really read the whole thing. It took me an hour and a half this afternoon, so I really want to encourage you to, if you want a resource like this, I can let you borrow that or, or buy it for you. Um, so when we think about the, the Lord's Supper, the reason why this is so important for, for Baptists today is that there's a lot of Baptist churches that are no longer requiring a believer's baptism, right, for uh, the Lord's Supper. So um, it is very common for uh churches to have either an open view of the Lord's Supper or a closed or closed view of the Lord's Supper. An open view uh, of those who come to the table means anybody is welcome to the table, as long as you are a believer. 
Well, if I just said, if we're, you mark yourself as a believer, biblically and historically for us as Baptists, by baptism, by immersion, and then you say, well, all believers aren't welcome. Well, how do you identify if you're a believer? Have you been baptized? So all, all, all we do here, when I say introduce the Lord's Supper, which I probably have gotten more issues uh, about my take and just kind of fencing the table for the Lord's Supper before we take it. I remember I preached a sermon on the Lord's Supper, the view I'll give you tonight, and three families left the church who were visiting. That's the way to drive them out, right? Um, but it was, I'm trying to be faithful both to the Bible, primarily, to the Lord Jesus, and to just Baptist ecclesiology. We want to be consistent. So for um, many Baptists, they'll say, if you are a believer in Christ, you're welcome to the table. Well, I want to say, well, we, we identify your belief by your baptism. And if you're not willing to get wet for the Lord, well, I'm not sure if you're legitimately saved, right? Or if you are legitimately saved, which I think there are, Presbyterians and Methodists and um, you know, uh, even Catholics who are legitimate believers and have not gone uh, under the waters of baptism, I would just say they're disobedient, right? So before they enter the Lord's table, we want to make sure that you have an obedient heart, right? Um, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling, but let me just say this. Um, the issue today is there's a lot of churches that are saying, yeah, as long as you're a believer, you can have the Lord's Supper. And as long as you're a believer, you can join the church. It doesn't matter if you've been baptized or not. Probably the most notable person who I love is John Piper. Right? I quoted John Piper this morning as a huge influence of mine, as a mentor. But he, he does not, their elders do not affirm believers' baptism as a sign of membership in their church. He, he, he follows John Bunyan, who wrote his famous paper on being, being an open, having open communion, and we should welcome anybody to the Lord's table. And he has pushed that view, and he, because he's been very influential for guys like myself, a lot of young guys who have followed John Piper have followed his view on everything and including his view on Baptist ecclesiology, which is not consistent, I think, with the New Testament. So, anyway, let me kind of walk through this definition, and then maybe make some application points, and then we'll close. So, this definition, the church's act of communion. I think the Lord's Supper is clearly in the Scriptures for the church. So, if you read through 1 Corinthians 10 and 1 Corinthians 11, what you see there is this idea of taking it together. Taking the Lord's Supper together. So, who has the right to take the Lord's Supper? Historically and biblically, it's always been the church taking the Lord's Supper. Now, there's been kind of a new phenomenon in America where people take the, the Lord's Supper in small groups of people. Maybe friends take it. You know, there's this di different opportunity. Well, in, in the scriptures, it's when you gather together. I think it's, I think it's four or five times between verses, um, 1 Corinthians 10 and 11. Four or five times you see when you gather together, when you gather together, when you, when the whole church is assembled. Well, what is that picturing? It, it's the whole body of believers coming together. Because this is the church, and if you look at the understanding of it, it's, we are, are together saying that we have fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. So it's called the Lord's Supper or communion. Because we have communion with God and communion with uh, each other. So it's the church's act of communion with Christ and each other by commemorating Christ's death. So when we take the Lord's Supper, the, the bread and the, the, the grape juice or the, the wine does not become or transform into the body and blood of Christ. That's uh, something called transubstantiation, which Catholics believe. Uh, when Martin Luther came on the scene, he took one step. It says, it is both the body and blood of Christ, but it's also bread and wine. 
So it's mixed or it's consubstantiation. They're, they're together. Um, and then you had um, Zwingli come in and says, well, no, it's neither of those. It's commemorating. It's remembrance. We remember the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ by taking the bread and seeing his body was broken for us. And then his taking the cup and remember his blood was, was spilled for us. It's a, it's a remembering, right? I would probably go one step maybe, maybe back and be with Calvin. I believe it's that. It's, it's a commemorating. But I believe Christ's presence is, is present when we take the Lord's Supper. I think that he is there, there with us. Spiritual presence for you is mine. Um, so by taking, by commemorating Christ's death, by partaking of bread and uh, the fruit of the vine. Now, I usually say fruit of the vine just to kind of be respectful of, of Baptists. Uh, the Bible uses the word wine. And the wine that it's referring to is probably alcoholic. Okay? Now, it's not referring to, to, to wine where you're throwing back. You're taking a small little sip, and one sip of wine, and one eat little piece of bread as a remembering that Christ's blood was spilled and his, his body was broken for us. Now, that's not a skill to be a stickler and say, hey, you know, we can just use, um, you know, we can use grape juice and that's fine. So I usually say the fruit of the vine because grape juice is what? It's a fruit of the vine, right? Um, uh, but if you, if you want to really be biblical, and use the word that's in the Bible, it's wine. I think, I think it's implied alcoholic wine. Especially in 1 Corinthians 11, talking about how they were misusing the Lord's Supper and getting drunk and indulging themselves. So I think there's an application there. Um, there's no move for us to, to have wine in our Lord's Supper, right? Um, but just want to make sure that you are, are uh, seeing that, with, with what the text says. So this is what we're doing as a community, right? Communing with Christ and each other by commemorating Christ's death by partaking of the bread and wine, and a believer's act of receiving Christ's benefits and renewing his commitment to Christ and his people. So in 1 Corinthians 10, it says, Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake in this one bread. And later on it says, let's see here. I, I don't know where it's at. Give me one second. It's somewhere in this section when it says, when we take the Lord's Supper, we must recognize the body of Christ. I'm losing the reference. It might be in 1 Corinthians 11. But what he's saying here is when we take the Lord's Supper, we don't need to think about the body of Christ. It's always kind of done in this community. When you gather together. Uh, the reason why 1 Corinthians 11 was written was Paul was rebuking the church because they were, they were not thinking of one another when they were uh, taking the Lord's Supper. They were thinking about things individually. So the rich were going ahead and eating and, and celebrating with, with themselves while the poor uh, were, were not eating together. So I think this idea of, of, of commemorating together and renewing our commitment, one of the things that I'm going to try to do when we take the Lord's Supper in the future is reading our church covenant, right? And our church covenant states is that when we joyfully renew this covenant with one another and we walk through what our church covenant states, and it's much like we said two weeks ago, that we uh, could mark our lives by praying for one another that we would work hard for the spirit of unity and the bond of peace, that we would uh, special obligation on us to lead uh, new and godly lives, denying ungodliness and living for the Lord. We want to remind ourselves of, of doing that. Um, 
So by when we take the Lord's Supper, what we're doing is that we are marking ourselves off spiritually as the believers of Christ. So one of the things that the church has always done in excommunication or excommunion in people, they're saying, listen, you're not believing the right things about Jesus. You're not living for Jesus. So we are going to remove the communion of the Lord from you because we don't think that you have communion with God based on what you believe and how you're living. So in our case, probably the most common form of excommunication is not attendance from church. So if, if you're not coming to take communion, which God commanded us to do, to show that we have communion with him and communion with the saints, if we're not doing that, we're showing ourselves to be unbelievers. Now, we may not, well, I'm a believer, like, I, like my Uber driver that I, that I talked to on, on the way uh, to the airport. Oh, I'm a believer, but he's not taking the communion of the Lord. So you have not marked yourself as a believer, biblically. That's the sign. It's the oath sign covenant. Baptism, physically feel the water on our skin. Everybody knows that I'm, I'm with the Lord. Communion, I physically taste the bread. I drink the fruit of the vine to show that I have this physical nature of proclaiming Christ. So, just a few, few matters of uh, commentary. Who should partake of the Lord's Supper? Baptized, believers, and I would add members of, of, of a church. Uh, there is no Lone Ranger Christianity in the Bible. Almost everyone, outside of a few, maybe the thief on the cross, the Ethiopian eunuch, were not a member of a church. We're not, we're not baptized into a body of, of a community of, of saints. So when people are, um, when, I, when I fence the table here on, on, a, on a Sunday, I'll say, um, and what I'm doing when I fence the table is just, in many ways, just being a good Baptist. <laughs> and I, I, I get in trouble for it. Because many people who come to the Baptist faith were raised in other denominations, and they come, and I, I sound really mean when I say, if you are a baptized believer, of a, a member of, of good standing, of a church of like faith and order, you're welcome to the table. All I'm saying is, have you, are you a believer in Christ, as the Bible tells you to be, by baptism, marking yourself by baptism? Are you a member of a community of saints, right, that sets you apart from the world as the, as the holy ones? Uh, and do you believe in the Lord's Supper the same way we do? Not in a, that it saves you, not in a transubstantiation or consubstantiation way, but do you believe in, about the Lord's Supper the same way as we do? You're welcome to the table. So there's open, all are welcome. There's closed, only members of the church are welcome. I'm close. I lean more towards closed, but I'm close. If you are a baptized believer of, of a church of like faith and order, um, you are free to the table. Now, where, where should you do the Lord's Supper? I would say the church. I've already mentioned it before, but you should take the, the Lord's Supper together. Now, I am, I am committed personally to having a, um, one service congregation. So when we gather as, as a church, we're not going to have two services. That is a theological stance, right? I think the essence of the church is our gathering, is our assembly. Ecclesia, coming from the, uh, in the Greek, coming from the Hebrew word kahal, means assembly. We are the assembly of the saints. If we don't assemble, we cease to be part of the church. First John, they went out from us to, to show that they were not of us. So when I say we come together, it would be very difficult for us to be biblical and have two services. How can we come together for the Lord's Supper? And I think that when you have two services, what is the driving factor of having two services? We want to reach more people. That's a good motivation. I have nothing wrong with it. But if you want to have two services on, on a morning to, to reach more people, then, then that's, that's one thing. But when you have the Lord's Supper, you should come together. 
as one body. That's the picture of the New Testament. You should come together. Because how can I say that I have communion with Gary if Gary's taking the Lord's Supper at 11 o'clock and I'm taking it at 9? We're not together at that point, right? We've separated. And I think that in many, many churches, the idea of taking the Lord's Supper together, biblically, is just forgotten. So most churches, hey, we're starting to grow. The first thought is let's plant or let's not plant another church, but let's have another service. Or let's have a multi-site campus. And uh, that's kind of like these, these big pushes from Baptist leaders uh, in our denomination. And I think if we're not careful, we're going to cease to be, have a Baptist ecclesiology. Right? And now when I say Baptist ecclesiology, I'm not saying, oh, I love my Baptists. The Baptists are the greatest thing in the world. I'm saying I love my Bible. I love my Bible. And I love what the Lord Jesus says in his word. And there's, there's a way that the church ought to behave in the household of faith. There's a way that we should also ought to order ourselves for to, to show the world that Jesus Christ is real. We should order ourselves in such a way to show that God is not a God of chaos, but a God of order. And I think in many um, churches, we're forgetting the, the principles, historic principles of the Baptist church that were birthed from the Bible. The greatest thing the Baptist church has done for Christianity is a love for the Bible. And if we love the Bible, we're going to start doing the things the Bible wants to do. Believer's baptism and the Lord's Supper together as a covenant community so we can, show, so we can mark ourselves off as followers of Jesus. Right? So we have, to, we have to fight for these things. Uh, because you have Baptist leaders like John Piper uh, who think that all are welcome. And, you know, and anybody who is a believer can join his church and not be baptized. Legitimately with a uh, profession of faith. It's a hard way to order your church. To kind of figure figure that out, uh, or you have other other churches who are who are leaders in our denomination. These are the guys who are going to be speaking at at conferences and uh, presidents of the convention that have multiple services and multiple campuses. Well, how can you biblically take the Lord's Supper together, right? Uh, and fulfill the I think be obedient to the Lord's command, right? To show that we have communion with God, but not only God, but when we assemble together, we have a communion with one another. I just don't think that you can do it. I think that the way God has ordered his word is important for all of us, right? Especially how we order our church. So one of the things we're going to strive for here is a kind of quick review. We're general church membership, the congregational authority, um, and a rightly practicing of the ordinances. All that under the right preaching of the word of God. So whether I preach, Gary preach, Rich preaches, Bobby preaches, any one of our intern preaches, they, they want them to be preaching from this book. Because the main authority is not a pastor, right? It's not a denomination. The main authority is, is the Lord Jesus Christ who has given us his word, and that's what we choose to follow. Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us be a congregation uh, that is marked uh, the way you have set aside in your word. That we'd be a church that happily go into the waters of baptism. And God, when people are baptized with uh, John, David, and then Connor, and, and Ryan, and uh, those who are coming, God, we pray that we would have our hearts rejoice in seeing people make a public stand for Christ. And God, we pray that every time we take the Lord's Supper, that we would approach it with the right heart, that we would um, kill sin in our life, and that we would understand that we are visibly marking ourselves off as those who believe that Jesus' body was crushed for us that his blood was spilled for us so that we could be bearers of the new covenant. Oh God, I pray that you would help us be a faithful, Bible-believing Baptist church. In Jesus' name, amen.